It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio. Flavored with a dash of humor. Welcome to intelligent, irreverent talk about plants and the planet they grow on. Your questions, comments, and participation are always welcome on Facebook and Instagram at The Mike Novak Show and at Mike Now on Twitter. Good planets hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. True currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing through breathing trees. Strong ozone and safe sunshine. Well, good planets are hard to find. Good planets are in the main. Brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Jet streams, perfect air. And here they are, Peggy Malecki and Mike Nova. Good planets are in the right. And we've got Lagata. And Basil the dog. Is Basil the dog still barking this morning, uh, Peggy? No, I think he's settled down. Yeah, un- un- until the, the next FedEx person comes by, <laughs> right? You know, Something like that. You know, soon... Get that nasty Ups truck going down the block, yeah. Ups. Oh, see, we don't even have to worry about that anymore. At some point uh, on this planet, all there will be uh, are bicycles and Amazon trucks. And that's it. That's going to be the, how the world works. And drones. And and drones, drones and and right, but they will be Amazon drones as well, and <laughs> they will deliver it to your Amazon house. You'll have Amazon above the address to your house. That will just be everything. It will be all things Amazon all the time. Uh, welcome to the show. It's snowing outside. We've got a have you you got a little bit up there, right, Peg? Oh yeah, yeah. It's. Uh... Got some pretty snow out there. I've been getting texts from Rick DeMaio sending photos from around him. It's just kind of magical looking why, out there. Okay. Uh, you asked Mr. DeMaio why he sends you photos and he sends me bupkis, okay? Uh, I, I don't get that. Be careful what you ask for. Uh, I suppose. I mean, he did send me the... Uh, the latest stuff about uh, the the maps that that we're going to be yes. talking about on the show, but he doesn't send me pretty photos. Uh, I don't. <laughs> that's my. This is the last of the new year. People have been asking me this week. Can you still say Happy New Year? Yeah, you can say Happy New Year. You know, you get to say Happy New Year to somebody who you haven't seen yet. Uh, I'm going to have to have a little chat with Mr. DeMaio. Uh, on today's show, guess what, folks? Uh, I've got some seed packets sitting on the other side of this screen. You can't tell. Uh, they're here. Uh, but the point is, uh, it is the, on on the day we're recording this, it is the 17th of uh, January. And It is snowing. It is snowing. And you should be thinking about what you're going to plant in your garden this year. And the reason oh, yeah. that that is... As I mentioned in my blog post, and I hope all of you go to MikeNovak.net and occasionally read the blog. Uh, And by the way, if you're listening to the show and watching it on Facebook or YouTube or on our website, and by the way, go to the website. We've gotten much better at keeping the thing, the darn thing from freezing. (laughs) 
we've had this issue with uh, Restream. We use Restream, uh, and this is all stuff, our technical stuff. I don't know if you really want to know this, but, you know, we use vMix to do the show and do all the creative stuff here, but we're Restreaming with Restream, and mm-hmm. they have a beta version of their uh, live stream. Um, and it allows you to take a, an embed code and put it on your website. Well, folks, that doesn't work as well. Yeah, it's beta. So it doesn't work you as well. You can embed it. It doesn't mean it's going to do anything. Right. It'll freeze on you. And I've had folks write to me and say, Agamemnon, this is freezing. So we, uh, we're we bypassing that. Uh, we've been bypassing. Because it's winter. Uh, it's because it's beta. And they're just figuring it out. I'm saying it it's out. freezing because it's winter. Oh, but I'm bump. Oh, wait. <laughs> Okay, thank you. I don't have the rim shot here. Now, see, I should have loaded that Aww. in. Okay. You I need will, that one. I'm going to load that in sometime during the program today, and at some point we'll we'll use that. Oh, we've uh, got a lot of people watching out there, too, so let us know. If you are following us on YouTube, Periscope, Facebook, tell us where you're watching from. We've got Dan and Dolly and Bruce and Snappy oh, Joe. See, and, and I, I'm so glad you said that because last week I forgot. Okay. I forgot to go on the chat, and if you don't go on the chat right away, you don't get to see all the early uh, Mm -hmm. versions of the chat, which is a really weird thing that uh, Restream does. That's another issue (laughs) that that I have with Skeet's out there. Hey, Skeet. Uh, So all those folks watching, uh, here's what I'm going to advise you to do. Tell a friend right now. Write to somebody and say, are you watching the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki on Facebook or on Twitter or on... And uh, share it on your Facebook page, please. Share, share it, because the, share more, it. the more you share it, the more folks we have, uh, and uh, the better everything works. And it, it makes our advertisers happy, too. All right? Just uh, letting you know. I, I liked what you wrote also up in the post, buy us breakfast. No, wait. Buy, wait. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to have somebody <laughs> buy, us, buy us breakfast right now. That would that would work for me. So, um, anyways, anyway, we we have a great show today. Yes, you should be thinking about seeds, and that's where we're going to start today with a couple of folks who know of what they speak. Um, they're going to have some information for you about getting your seed orders in. They're just a couple of companies. I mean, there's there's lots of great seed companies out there, but. Uh, we have a couple here on the show that you should know about. And then in the second hour, we're going to be talking about a brand new publication uh, that I just dropped on the floor uh, here. So one of them. Uh, we both, No, not. Okay, then let me grab the other one then. Don't drop this one. They're slippery. Um, it's called Ooh, two, million, two Million Blossoms. Uh, and um, it is a quarterly publication dedicated entirely to pollinators which is really interesting so if <laughs> we peggy and i are scratching our heads and wondering well can you keep a, a publication about pollinators alone going uh we we will see how that how that works out so uh that's uh that's coming up and of course rick DeMaio, weather and climate uh all on the mike novak show with peggy malecki what a jerk move okay yeah and uh, I, I don't have the uh, the rim shot, but uh, I can put that up there. So let's go to our guests here and and bring in that guy in the lower left hand screen and bring in uh, this gal in the lower right hand screen and say good morning. 
uh, to our guests. Uh, the lower left, that's Roger Hartwell. He's the Director of Marketing and Communications for Seed Savers Exchange in Decorah, Iowa. Good morning, Roger. Good morning. Uh, it, it's good to see you. Uh, you told me you had a little dusting of snow there in Decorah as well this morning. We got a little bit. I got to go out and sh- uh, sweep off the sidewalk here in a little while. So, um, yeah, it was kind of unexpected. It just kind of showed up. I didn't. I thought we were done with snow this week, but apparently not. <laughs> <laughs> I will have uh, our meteorologist, Rick DeMaio, do a forecast for Decorah, Iowa as well uh, later in, in the show. Uh, on his right is Petra Page Mann. She is a co-founder of uh, Fruition Seeds uh, in 2012. She did that with her partner, Matthew. Um, and uh, also, you're a storyteller. Uh, I've seen you play the accordion on your <laughs> <laughs> and sing and sing. I wouldn't put it past myself. <laughs> uh, you were playing. You, I almost took that video and put it on the show this morning. You were playing uh, "Old Lang Syne," if I'm not mistaken. Happy New Year, indeed. <laughs> Th- there you go. Wait a second. <laughs> All right. <laughs> And you've got a great voicemail message, a voicemail you sing as well. So, <laughs> Oh, see. Every opportunity. <laughs> I, I haven't done that. I have uh, Now, see, I'm going to have to call. Maybe I'll, I'll call during the commercial break and just see <laughs> what, what the voicemail. Uh-oh, look at that. And, and Dobby's here to join us It's as a well. puppy. <laughs> oh, that is, that's a sweet dog. What's what's the dog's name again? Dobby. Dobby? Yes, as- David and Goliath, but David minus the D. Yeah. Ah, Little Dobby. Dobby. Yes. I, what kind of dog is that? Dobby. A mutt, like all of us, really. Um, but, you know, miniature Australian Shepherds plus other little things. We got him on Craigslist. He was six weeks old. They said he would be a 40-pound dog, and he's five years old. And you can see he barely weighs 13 pounds. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> so they got that wrong. <laughs> oh, that's to go skiing after we get off the air, and Dobby is going to run for hours with us. So don't let size ever deceive you. <laughs> well, yeah, you guys are in an area where you get a lot more snow than uh, we do here, or Decorah, Iowa does. You're in the Finger Lakes Lakes area of uh, New York State, right? Indeed. Indeed. Your cordial invitation. I can't wait to actually share the farm with people again. Ah, so yeah, that's, I want, uh, we, uh, I hope to get out there and, and see it. Uh, I imagine you get a lot of the lake effect snow off of, uh, what Ontario or Erie or both. Both. Yeah. When we're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so, uh, let's, let's talk about this. We're here. We are in 2021 and um, uh, last year, as I and I and I, I hope I'm not boring people with this statistic, but I keep saying it over and over again because I'm so amazed by it. Uh, when we had uh, Chris Bates on the show from Grower Talks, he mentioned that there are estimates from some companies that we had somewhere between 16 to 21 million new gardeners last year during the pandemic. I don't know if the, either of the two of you have heard that number. And then uh, there's a couple of stories that I posted on the blog this week about how that is just going to continue through 2021, which means 
that, in fact, some some people estimate they might double in 2021. Wow. A lot of people have figured out that growing plants is not only fun. Some people do it for fun, but in a pandemic year, you find out that it's important as well, <laughs> especially if you want fresh food on your table. So we have all of these folks, new gardeners, and of course, their friends who have been gardening for years say, yeah, you need to pick up a seed catalog and you need to order some seeds. Uh, Problem is that if everybody, you know, 21 million new gardeners plus the gardeners we've had in the past, plus perhaps how many more uh, are all doing at the same time, uh, there might be a little bit of a bottleneck there. So let's start with you, Roger, uh, because you're the uh, marketing and communications guy for Seed Savers Exchange. First of all, give us a the uh, the elevator speech uh, about Seed Savers Exchange, very famous operation. I know that it was started by Diane Otwili and her husband Kent uh, in the mid seventies. I have interviewed Diane mm-hmm. uh, in, in the in the past, uh, and I know she's still associated with the organization, though not on a day to day basis. Uh, what was her goal when she did that? Um, they originally, when, back in 1975, they started realizing that as generations got older, that no, there was not necessarily no one who was going to be stewarding these varieties going out. So um, they looked at uh, Diane's grandpa, and it was Grandpa Ott's Morning Glory and the German Pink Tomato were the two that he had had. So they realized that there was more of those like that. So they basically just started out. It started really out as a process of just meeting people who were also curious in that. Um, they actually ran an ad in Mother Earth News. Um, they had 13 people who responded saying that this is what they had. And from those basically two varieties, we've now amassed a collection of over 20,000 varieties that are in our seed bank, a few thousand apple or historic apple trees, uh, the ancient park cattle that are now on the farm, and about <laughs> 700 varieties of potatoes and 300 varieties of uh, heirloom garlic. So um, we've kind of it's, it's come a long way from just two varieties back in the 70s. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll say. Uh, it absolutely has. but And it's not just about selling seeds, e- even though that's what you do. Uh, part of it is, is, as you mentioned to me when we chatted earlier this week, is saving seeds. But it's also swapping seeds, isn't yeah. it? Yep. Um, so we look at it as kind of a couple different pronged approach. So we offer the catalog in the traditional process that people look for when they're looking for seeds as a way of sharing those and getting some of these varieties from our collection into the hands of gardeners around the country. But we also have um, our exchange and yearbook. Um, the exchange is our digital version of the yearbook, which is our gardener to gardener seed swap. So there's roughly 20,000 listings that are uh, located on there. Uh, posted by gardeners around the world. Um, so it's kind of nice if you're looking for things that are adapted for your area. So you may find a particular bean that's available in a catalog, but you can find it from someone who's grown it for 15 years, you know, three counties over or maybe the next state over from where you actually live that's going to be more adapted to your climate. Um, and it's also kind of fun because they, uh, a lot of these people do home breeding projects too, so you can get stuff that's not commercially available. Um, and it, it just adds to that that um, curiosity that comes with gardening. What's it going to do with my soil? So I've gotten a few things that don't have names or have really weird odd names. So it just it, it's it's fun just to be a part of it. And it also you end up with people who email or email you or write you back and ask you how their plants did in your climate because they're super curious about that kind of stuff. So it creates a little network. Also, we we've tried to do that on the show 
here occasionally we'll ask people uh, tell us about your garden and what i've found about radio shows is people just want answers they just want you to tell them what they're supposed yeah. to do uh and 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 that i'd love to have a discussion about how as you mm-hmm. say about how things work i got a friend of mine um who's in north carolina trying to set up a pollinator garden uh, and mm-hmm. I'm going to try to help him out, and maybe we'll have a little discussion about what what works and and what doesn't work. But getting back to uh, the seeds, uh, let me read something you wrote to me this week, mm-hmm. which is uh, revealing. Uh, you said the challenges for 2021 are pretty similar to those we faced in 2020, except this time we knew they were coming. Current web traffic to the Seed Savers Exchange website is anywhere from two to three times higher than it was on any given day in January 2019. Order volume is up, and as our website states, we have at least a two-week delay in getting orders out, but we are shipping about as many orders as we have new orders coming in. In other words, we are keeping up with orders, and the delay we do have stems from the holidays, Hopefully, overall, the delay decreases, but orders generally pick up as we get closer to warmer months. So I'm not sure what, what February and March could hold. Um, that kind of says it all. So I, I, I called you guys this week, and uh, I got put on hold, and after about 10 minutes, I decided to to, to bypass. So that, I was trying to track you down, actually. Uh, right. but, but even your your voicemail message says, yeah, you might be waiting 20 minutes or actually I think it's on your website. It says you might, you might wait 20 minutes to, to have to, to be able to talk to somebody, which is a good reason to go online, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. We're still a little backed up on emails and trying to get through those. Um, during this time of year, we generally have an increased customer service staff that comes in, but we have a lot of people who are asking questions. We still have people who are calling in and asking gardening related questions. What kind of tomatoes should I grow this year? Which is fantastic. We're happy to help those, but those conversations do take a little time to have. So um, as we just kind of work through the, the list. So, um, so I've been telling people, if you, you know, you send us an email, give us some time. We will get to it. We will, we will email you back. Um, it just, may take us a week to get you back at this point so okay that's uh roger hartwell as you can see from seed savers exchange now petra page man um you're a smaller company obviously than seed savers exchange tell us a little bit about the origin of your company and what you're going through right now and trying to fill orders Absolutely. So we love seeds also because we love food, because we love people. (laughs) And so we are obsessed with regional adaptation and organics as well. All of our seeds are certified organic. And we're really interested in regional adaptation because growing up in the Finger Lakes, Zone 5, I thought our seasons were too short to grow watermelon. So every few years we'd grow watermelon and every few years we'd come to the conclusion that we don't need to waste space on watermelon next year. (laughs) And I've never been a practical person ever. But nonetheless, it was that obvious. But it turns out I just needed different seeds because the vast majority of seeds, most seed companies are seed distributors rather than seed growers. And so the vast majority of seeds on the planet are being grown in very long, dry, arid seasons um, in continental U.S. and China and the Middle East are the epicenters. And so this one size fits most paradigm of that we're in the middle of. Um, works decently, but most people have no idea that it could actually be so much better. If, like Roger said, they found yeah. some regionally 
selected seeds. So we're dedicated to organics and to regional adaptation. Mm-hmm. And we started in 2012. And yeah, now there's, we are also experiencing easily three times what we were any given day in January a year ago. Um, but we have an amazing team and as we all do, <laughs> and it's kind of amazing. We're managing to, we have a two to three day turnaround right now. So we are doing everything we can. And that education piece is central to what we do too. And that's um, our dear friend Heather and I, it's basically our full-time jobs to just be creating content and accompanying people. And so you'll check out on our new website coming momentarily. But (laughs) our emails as well, we'll be having all of these garden planning parties, all of these planting part, like seed sewing parties, virtual this year so that we can really accompany each other in the journey because it's like anything when i started to time my shoot mom my velcro is gonna be just fine <laughs> it just seemed really yeah. the time I, but it turns out her accompaniment really made it possible and so gardening also is not that hard and we'll spend the rest of our lives learning and doing it better but having friends to actually accompany you on the journey makes all the difference so that's what we're really dedicating ourselves to so that fear-based scarcity mindset pandemic gardeners can turn into joyful lifelong gardeners well you you talk about um your company being based in zone five but that's (laughs) chicago we're in zone five i think decora is also are you zone five or four over there roger you're four okay so slightly colder um which means that you're also, Roger, looking for the right watermelon to grow in your area. Um, mm-hmm. uh, can, can I put either of you on the spot and say what varieties do you like uh, for a Zone 5 or a Zone 4? Well, certainly watermelon. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Roger, it was a, a watermelon. Well, I mean, there's other – I may ask about other plants as well too, but since – uh, Petra brought up watermelons, and I have not yeah. I have not had success with watermelons here in Chicago. Um, of course, I, I I don't have enough sun. I've grown just... I've grown some of those little softball size ones here. That's about... <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, it's a small they're, variety. They're supposed to be all yeah, I've they're supposed to be softball size, yeah. right? Um, uh, it, honestly, I'm not a good person to ask about watermelons because I don't like watermelons. <laughs> everyone, makes, everyone makes fun of me on staff for the like watermelon. But how can um, you? <laughs> I just don't like watermelon. Roger, so. can, Roger, uh, can I ask you a question? Uh, yeah. How could you not like yes, watermelon? Yes, people are now also asking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I just I have, like I have never really been a fan of watermelon. Like I will eat it if so. If like everyone's like, "Oh, here have watermelon," I'm like, "Okay." Like I'm a reluctant taker of watermelon. Um, okay, so you have to but, try you know, it like, in like in a salad with some with with um, like an orange oil and some salt, and you might like it that see, way. And that, some uh, basil. Yeah, I would give it a try. I, like I literally, I'm always looking for a way to get it because I even like went to our director of preservation and said, "I don't like watermelon. What's a good variety that I should try to grow?" And he goes. What don't you like about it? I was like, I just don't like the taste. He's like, probably none of them then. So, um, but so it's all right. It's well, we're we're, we're going to excuse you from the watermelon question there, Roger, uh, because uh, yes, uh, because we now have viewers who say, "What should I be growing?" Right, we've, we've got, got one, one right now. Uh, they're saying, "What should I grow?" So, what, if, Petro? What would you recommend for people who actually like watermelon? Uh, 
in zone five. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. She's frozen there. Oh, you're back. Okay. You're Hello. Right. Uh. <laughs> yes. So can we talk about watermelon? I will spend the rest of my life eating watermelon and most well, joyful. What, what grows well so, in zone so what five, variety? though, watermelon? So August ambrosia. You'll find it on our website, fruitionseeds.com. And every mother has beautiful, brilliant babies. And I am no exception. And August Ambrosia is actually a variety that we developed here at Fruition with Cornell University right out our back door. And hundreds, if not thousands, of our community members tasting every generation during its breeding process. Every summer, we have a big party. We call it our watermelon in the dahlias party because we also grow dahlias. We're one of the few certified organic dahlia tuber sources on the planet. So imagine thousands of dahlias blooming <laughs> and we're all just eating watermelon. And eating trying. watermelon. Yeah. Uh. And so across the years, we all of these And Roger's like, I won't be there. Uh, no. <laughs> Roger, Roger might eat the dahlias, but other than that, uh, he won't be there. The dahlias are delicious, which is the part B. But yeah, that August ambrosia is a fabulous go-to. We're honestly often eating it at the end of July, and certainly all through August. Interesting. All right. Well, there we go. There's there's one uh, for you folks who are looking to grow watermelons uh, in in the Midwest. And by the way, you mentioned dahlias. Some people call them dahlias. It depends on where you are in, in the country. Uh, I did a story... Um, years ago for Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, I went to a dahlia grower in Chicago, and he doused those babies with every chemical you can imagine. I mean, so he could get the, the big dinner plate dahlias, mm -hmm. and, and he was like, oh, yeah, well, you got to add this chemical, and then you got to add this chemical, and you got to put this in. I went, yikes. Okay, so uh, thank you. I don't think I'll be growing dahlias, but as you point out, Petra, you don't need all that stuff, do you? Right. You definitely do not. And that's where regional adaptation can be extended into just organic adaptation. You know, like we just like our grandparents and our parents, every generation of humans, we're adapting to the world around us. Same is true for seeds. So if you're getting conventional seeds, you're getting seeds most likely that <laughs> are like adapting to conventional chemical circumstances. And certainly when it comes to organics, that means they're going to be better adapted to outcompete weeds. They're looking for actual nutrients in the soil rather than the mana from heaven of chemical, chemically soluble NPK. And that's where people People often with, you know, we have lots of flowers as well as vegetables and herbs. And people sometimes will say, well, why organic vegetable seeds? And I'm like, you should see the fields that are growing <laughs> these seeds because it's not food. It's not regulated as such. And so then if it's not organic, so many more chemicals go on those fields. So it's deceptively simple <laughs> to just be like, I just need to get organic seeds of what I'm personally going to eat, right? Think of all the generations to come and all the generations that have led up to that seed that you're sourcing. It's okay. a huge responsibility. Uh, Roger brings us to uh, Seed Savers Exchange. Where do you guys stand? And we have a, about a minute before we break, and then uh, I'm going to bring you guys back after the commercial. Where do you stand in, the terms, uh, in terms of organics? I mean, you do... 
uh, swap out heirloom varieties. Uh, what does that mean in terms of organics? Um, roughly in terms of our catalog, we have about 325 different organic varieties that are available. Um, we have some of our fields that are on site are organic or in the process will be organic once they get, they go through the three years of fallow. So, um, you know, we we're working to try to produce more. Um, there's some areas that are a little harder to find organics in like beans right now. Um, but so we're working with our, um, field ops crew to basically can I ask why that is why are beans harder to find in organics that I am not exactly sure um, there has been a lot of consolidation in contract growers and farms that actually provide that kind of stuff so you would think that it would be out there given as easy as beans are to grow and actually save seed from but um, a lot of them have moved into more productive varieties um, which ah. causes some issues with heirloom and open pollinated yeah. ones that, so. that makes total sense. All right, that's Roger Hartwell from Seed Savers Exchange, Petra Page Man from Fruition Seeds. Uh, if you've got questions, uh, shoot them to us there uh, on uh, whatever stream you're watching on because they we consolidate those all uh, together, and so we I'm have all these. Them all go by. Uh, yeah. And uh, please let us know if you you have any questions. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, and we'll be right back after this. You have the ability to give your soil a superpower. It's called composting. If you don't have a backyard, you need to contact Collective Resource Compost. CRC has diverted 7,000 tons of food scraps since 2010. They bring you a fresh 5-gallon bucket or a 32-gallon neighbor tote with each pickup. You fill it with organic matter from your kitchen, they swap it out and get it to a commercial composting operation. Fight climate change. Go to collectiveresource.us. At this time of year, we spend a lot of time indoors with our plants, so help them thrive. The plants you're viewing were treated with Leafzyme, a foliage spray designed to activate beneficial microbes already present on the leaves. A spritz every few weeks promotes growth-enhancing microorganisms that process dust and other particles into nutrition that indoor plants can absorb through their leaves for beautiful and vigorous growth. Go to blazing-star.com and check out their BioGarden line for home gardeners. Hello from Happy Leaf. This is BJ Miller, the horticulturist here on staff. The best way we can help you be successful with indoor gardening is to provide you with a really great grow light. There are a lot of choices on the market and it can be extremely confusing to decide what you need. Our goal here at Happy Leaf is to provide you with a light that lasts a very long time and makes your plants really happy. We have several satisfied customers, including our friends Mike Novak and Peggy Malecki, because we have specifically designed a light that is versatile, it's very effective, and it is extremely simple to use. Our lights are perfect for seed starting, but you can do so much more, especially these months of the winter. You can supply yourself with your own leafy greens and herbs, grow lots of different types of vegetables, keep your small fruit trees thriving, and your houseplants will think you've sent them for a day at the spa. If you're a farmer, this is your last chance to gain valuable insight from organic vegetable farmer, farmer Atina Diffley, through McHenry County College. The author of the award-winning memoir, Turn Here Sweet Corn, I cannot speak, Turn Here Sweet Corn, Organic Farming Works. That's the name of the book. It's the name of the play. 
has one more workshop with MCC Center for Agrarian Learning. Sign up for crop planning for market needs and profitability. Yeah, you know, it sounds arcane, but this is important stuff to know. Uh, and that's going to be presented on January 27th and February 3rd. It's only $5, and as part of your registration, you will receive either the Wholesale Success Manual or Direct Market Success Manual, uh, an $80 value, published by Family Farmed. But that's not all. But wait, there's more. There's more. more. <laughs> um, the Center for Agrarian Learning is also presenting the Virtual Farm Tour Series, and it starts this Tuesday, January 19th, and continues every third Tuesday from now until March. You'll visit an area. Watch out for the typo in there, Peggy. You'll visit an area farm followed by a live Q&A with the farmers. For week number one, it's Prairie Wind Family Farm this Tuesday from 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. via Zoom. The event is free, but registration is required. Uh, you're going to enjoy it. They're friends of yours, right, Peggy? Uh, Prairie mm -hmm. Wind Family yeah, Farm. That's my CSA, yeah. Uh, there you go. The event is free. Registration is required. Go to mchenry.edu slash cal to find more information. That's mchenry.edu slash c-a-l. I had to absolutely play that, the uh, uh, <laughs> you name it challenge. Uh, that is uh, Shirley Caesar, of course, and uh, back uh, a few years ago, uh, they took her, her preaching from... Uh, mm -hmm. From uh, from church, and they uh, did a, a challenge uh, on uh, on the YouTubes, the used tubes, and came up with a bunch of stuff. But I love that the greens, beans, lettuce, tomatoes, and it's all well. That would be a kale, a, kale, ca kale, kale. Oh well, as long <laughs> as long as uh, we're we're talking about that, I can play this too. We want kale. Okay, everybody wants kale. There you go. Right. So <laughs> welcome back to the Mike Novak show with Peggy Malecki. We're very pleased to be talking to a couple of seed experts here. Roger Hartwell from Seed Savers Exchange, Petra Page Mann from Fruition Seeds. You can go to either one of those mm -hmm. organizations. Roger, it's seedsavers.org, right? Yep. Yes. And, and Petra, it is fruitionseeds.com. And exchange.seedsavers.org. Wait, wait, wait. What was that, Petra? What was that, Petra? So, so right. Okay, just making sure. You break up a little bit. Yours is, your, your internet's a little slow over there. It's probably because, you know, New York, it's a kind of a backward state. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, Peggy, well, you and were saying? What I was saying was um, also exchange.seedsavers.org, which is the online version of the big yearbook. <laughs> yes. Yeah, talk yep. about that a little bit, Roger. So every year um, in the fall, we basically send out a request to, you know, um, customers, anything, anything like that, um, asking them to sign up for, to take part in the yearbook. Um, who would like to list varieties? So we have some people who list one or two varieties um, or people who list hundreds of varieties and they, they need a little extra help to actually get everything posted. So um, 
we send that out in the fall. Then we do a request um, for people who want to purchase the uh, uh, the book version of it. Um, and then that usually comes out. We've actually noticed the last few years we've actually had it. So this is coming out pre uh, COVID nineteen. Uh, we had an increase in requests for the cat or for the for the yearbook that or the print version of the yearbook. And then this year we had another increase over last year. So there was already an interest in some of the the uh, unique seed varieties that were actually out there. Um, and then once people, the print version will be coming out, should be being mailed any time. Um, we're waiting for the confirmation from our printer when it's going to go be mailed. Uh, but if you go online right now, all the listings have been updated. Uh, Heritage Farm has over 5,000 listings on it. Um, where we make varieties from our collection available for people for the cost of postage. Um, so you just have to send it in to request those. Um, they are, it's a, it's mostly just a listing. Um, so there's not photos on most of them. There are some that do have photos, um, but you can find some really neat things that are out there. Um, things that you've never heard of, which is kind of fun. Um, and also we do look in the, uh, the yearbook, um, is actually one of our spots where we do look for varieties that we want to add to the collection at some point. And a lot of them did come from the yearbook that we now have in our collection now. So. So th this is uh, you working with all the people who want to support you, and uh, uh, you end up with things that you, you probably couldn't even imagine. Um, and, exactly. And then you're able to pass them along to others. Now, Petra, you mentioned earlier that you work with uh, Cornell University. How, what is that arrangement like? Well, Cornell is a land-grant university, so that means there are public plant breeders there who are developing varieties, among other things, that are really well adapted for our bioregion. Every state, at least historically, had such a land-grant university. Um, and so we're really grateful that there are some extraordinary public plant breeders that we get to collaborate with. Um, and you, uh, something that I saw that's really cool on your website, and by the way, if you go to fruitionseeds.com, you'll see Petra on a lot of videos because you do a lot of how-to. I was actually watching the garlic video the other day uh and you were talking about all the mistakes you're making i'm and i figured okay <laughs> let, let's count all the mistakes michael made when he was planting <laughs> when he, his garlic when he was planting his garlic uh in the fall the one thing i did do right is i planted it in the time frame that you suggested which was mm -hmm. uh october to november yeah woo -hoo -hoo -hoo. Uh, <laughs> me too me too yeah, yeah. So, oh, wait 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 <laughs> all right there we go um, but one of the things I really like, uh, what you have there, which I had not seen before, it's just because I lead such a sheltered life, um, <laughs> is, uh, is the universal calendar uh, that you offer folks. T tell us about the universal calendar. Check it out. I actually brought it by. This is my old used, my like velveteen version. So, <laughs> oh. but check it out. It's a perpetual calendar rather than an annual calendar. I'm sorry. Yeah, so perpetual. Yeah. So you'll see it has instead of it has days of the week, but instead of Monday through Sunday, it has years. So here's 2020 and here's 2021 and 2022. So you can see when did I start my tomatoes and just see across the seasons what makes sense, what you'd like to change, adapt so you can amplify your abundance. And there's also at the bottom, like all the little tips of things that we're doing on the farm. And there's also a whole section in the back so that if you want to just look at what your tomatoes, all the details for your tomatoes, all yeah, your take garlic, your notes. All your, yeah. It's the totally. little, 
it's the little notes that I talked about last week uh, that my friend uh, Mac does uh, uh, in her garden mm-hmm. that I never do in mine. Um, and now if I had that handy dandy calendar, I could just write it and then I'd have at least several years of uh, records so of that data. I know what's yeah. going on. That's that's what was that, Patrick? Mm-hmm. I love to put other little things in there too, like when the <laughs> when the hummingbirds arrive back on the farm, mm-hmm. and lots of little yeah. details. So it becomes this into also birthdays of people that I love, because maybe there will be one day where Facebook <laughs> isn't there to remind us. <laughs> but but this is I love love love. This is my style of taking notes. <laughs> Matthew has these big long spreadsheets and they're beautiful and also critical. But this is about my style. <laughs> well, yeah, no, it's it's a, it's a garden journal basically. Totally, totally. Yeah, uh, and so that's it's just a, a very handy thing. Now I know that you're a small operation, so I imagine. You're doing a lot of different jobs. Obviously, you shoot the videos. Uh, you must be planting varieties and gathering seeds yourself, right, Petra? There are nine of us full-time at Fruition Seeds, so I don't want to even vaguely pretend that I do this by myself. And even if I was a sole proprietor, I mean, what would I do without my father down the road making sure that there's dinner on the grill for the <laughs> way too late and and this community and our why i just to say that we do anything by ourselves is such well no 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 no. i was i wasn't i wasn't implying that that (laughs) that you uh, that you did it alone no i know you've got staff there but Mm -hmm. you are relatively small i the point i was going to make is is roger uh, i was talking to you the other day and you said in a normal year you would be out doing some of the seed organizing as well right Yep. We would, we job share and basically we all cycle through at some point or another um, throughout the week, basically helping to pack seeds and get everything out. Cause we're not an automated like seed packing organization or any of that kind of stuff. So, um, which kind of allows us to basically have full-time staff. So staff that works out in our field ops team will then, then transition to a seed house job during the winter. And then when it starts getting like, we're starting getting closer to the season, then they start transitioning back out to the fields and it allows us to basically just keep that, consistent supply of labor around so it's hard to keep find good people so you might as well figure out a way to keep them so yeah yeah no 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 no. i love the fact that uh, and that allows you to have a sense of how the business is working and how it relates to the average gardener because there you are roger packing the seeds i you know it hadn't even occurred to me see this is again my tiny little sheltered existence uh is is the idea of automation putting all the seeds in packets i have i have this vision of people with scoops putting them in in the little bags and and maybe that's uh what you guys do i don't know how that works uh how does that work roger and i'll ask you then Paige, as well we actually do it both ways we have a machine that will pack pack some of our seeds um call it willard um so it basically opens the packs weighs them out dumps the seeds in there and gets them go gets them going so that's good for like willard? large runs willard <laughs> yeah and willard yeah um so uh so willard does those kind of things for us um and then we also have people who are packing you know little bitty scoops sitting there dumping it in and and, and doing that kind of stuff that process too i'm actually kind of impressed when i see so i've never packaged seeds like that i've just filled the orders um uh, but i'm actually kind of impressed when i watch start watching the the like the people who do do it with the scoops, I'm just like, how quickly are you doing that? And how, like, I, I would have dumped it everywhere. 
Um, but they, mm -hmm. they make it work and they go super fast and they're done and they're, they're on to the next uh, uh, stack of packets that they need to fill. So um, it's kind of impressive to watch them go. I'll bet it is. And what about on your end, Petra? How, how do you guys do it? For the first maybe six years, we did everything by hand. And then we got a machine. Willard? We don't get around the bush. We just call it the machine. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we don't grant it any further. <laughs> and so Beth packs all the seeds that are easy for a machine to pack. And just mm -hmm. like Roger sharing, there are tiny little seeds that just yeah by automation and so for that we need human hands like hearts kale. and minds and so we have all of these little actually kale goes through the machine imagine like oregano really? so snapdragons mm -hmm. that are more like yeah. and so we have this wonderful collection of spoons <laughs> that are very small and that we you know count them all out once twice three times and find the right scoop for them and then we have that's where mm -hmm. spreadsheets do handy <laughs> so, so let me ask a question then with with all the millions of gardeners and people ordering more and more seeds and rogers you know you had said in the notes earlier that um it, this year we at least know we're going to get massive amounts of orders so i'm looking at a fruition seeds packet right here of kale bear necessities one of mm -hmm. your varieties it's 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 a very fancy very pretty so how do you decide petra how and tasty how do you decide how many you're going to pack? How many you're going to have available right now? If somebody wanted to go and order it, how do you make sure in your planning in a pandemic of what you're going to have available? It is an endless question and there is no right answer. And so we're, we've just basically packed 20% over what we packed last year <laughs> and mm -hmm. we'll see what we have from there. Already we've had to re, um, Re repack some things so we'll see we'll keep we'll just keep ahead of amanda is incredible she's our seed house operations manager she's so organized and i'm really grateful that she's on the team and so we'll repack as necessary but yeah it's definitely like moving target is a <laughs> almost not complex way to say it <laughs> and, and well, how about go ahead peggy no, I was going to ask Roger in the same site when you've got a much bigger organization, but still a, a limited amount that you can pack. Yeah. So we started packing back in the fall, trying to get ready. Um, our biggest concern. So what got us in the spring was that we allow backwards on, um, on, on different seed varieties. So you can, so it's easier to go in and order a seed than it is to go in and pack a seed. It takes less time to literally click a couple buttons and be good to go. Mm -hmm. Um, so we actually got in a huge, um, uh, backlog. So this year we've actually taken it a slightly different way is that we're not necessarily allowing the, the back orders the way we did. There was actually some stop gaps that will stop allowing orders to come in for certain varieties so that we can catch up. So um, we're cons constantly repacking because we can't, we don't have the space to basically pack hundreds of thousands of seed variety. I mean, seed packets. We'll have it basically set up and, for all and, different and things. And store properly. Yeah. Yep. 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 They're stored. It's actually in a lean tube that's air conditioned. Um, that keeps the temperature basically, I mean, you have to walk in, if you're in there for very long, you're going to end up with a need a sweater and everything. So it, it's, it's sort of just like a, a home refrigerator. I'm not exactly sure of the temperature right off the top of my head. Um, 
but yeah, it's, it's stored to basically keep it as if we were keeping them in our refrigerator as well. So, uh, you wrote to me this week. You say uh, generally we try for a three to five year supply of any given variety uh, when we do grow out the high demand for 2020 and its continuation into this year have disrupted those cycles, causing us to run out of some variety sooner than we expected. Uh, and the point you make is that if you can't get your favorite variety this year, um, it'll, it might be back next year. So be patient. But it also gives folks, and I will ask you this and then ask Petra about this, it also gives folks a chance to try something else, doesn't it? Yeah. Exactly. Um, I used to joke around and tell, some, tell people when they were planting a garden that they should always grow something new every year, at least one thing. Um, that's where I found out that I have a bean, you know, I grow a uh, dragon's tongue bush bean that I like better than the white half runners that my entire family has grown for as far back as I can remember. Um, so you just kind of switch over and try new things every year. Um, I like, you know, I also like rattlesnake pole bean. Um, it's great for saving space and that kind of stuff. But I, I, I figure that out by literally trying some new things every year. So it's a great time to try mm-hmm. something new. Uh, yeah. Same thing yeah. to you, Petra. Uh, what are you telling people about trying new stuff? Oh, it's just what we need to do as humans, whether it's seeds, thoughts, poems, music. It's just <laughs> to do to keep growing. (laughs) So I think this is a beautiful year to really live into that because there are more seeds on this planet than could be sown in 2021. So anytime anyone says like, there's going to be a seed shortage, they're not accurate. (laughs) It's just not possible. Maybe of of the popular tomato, but that's it. Yeah. Right. That's like there's two there we might not have enough A's to go around, so we'll need to use more E's, I's, O's, and U's. And it's gonna be beautiful. Uh, <laughs> as well, well as del- Okay. Oh, we have some questions too coming in. Oh well I wanna make uh one comment here. We had uh the Wis- our friends at the Wisconsin Vegetable Gardener well, while we're while we're talking about watermelon. Um, they write that they have had success with Saskatchewan watermelon uh, in Zone 5. So you're nodding, Petra. You're familiar with that variety. Dream of Saskatchewan. That was actually the first variety that I was like, wait a minute. I think this regional adaptation thing might be significant because I was 2012, 2002, and it was the first time I had worked on a farm the full season. It was on the upper peninsula. Pardon me. It was in Maine and on the little peninsula east of Acadia and like even shorter zone than here we are now. And we grew watermelons, cream of Saskatchewan and enjoyed them that first day in August. And I was like, wait a minute, we're eating watermelon. (laughs) (laughs) There's so many watermelon here. Uh, (laughs) Like cream of Saskatchewan. (laughs) They must've been adapted for Saskatchewan. So that melon was totally my introduction to why, why regionally adapted seeds are so significant. Uh, Peggy, you had other questions there. Yeah, this is from one of our guests from last week, Maggie Carides, who is a master gardener in training. Um, she's asking, how do we know how many packets to buy to help us plan for a home garden? It so depends. And I would say, like, step back and, like, selfishly, I'll say, like, join one of my seed planning parties <laughs> coming up. They're going to be so much fun. Jump on our email list. <laughs> You'll find it. Um, but... There's no, 
better way than to look at what your soil is, how much room you have to grow, and then looking at what you love to grow, then think about who else you want to grow for in your area, like friends, neighbors, who needs food more than you do? How can you plan to grow for some food for them as well? And then just, I always, just people want to know, like, what's the most productive? And I'm like, it doesn't matter how productive it is if it isn't delicious to you. Like, Roger, we love you and grow more beans. (laughs) Don't grow watermelon, even if everyone else around you really wants I love you. Yeah, Roger, what you were talking about, uh, striking out, and this is your family bean. Well, guess what? I found a better one. That's uh, that's a great way. Good philosophy. Here's, a, here's another question, though, and I'll address this to you, Roger. Um, are there tours available at uh, the seed organizations? Obviously, given the pandemic, that is different. But let's say we manage in eight months, nine months to, to move on to, to – something resembling what we used to have uh are there tours um so what we generally do um the farm that we're located on is 890 acres and is open to the public even right now our our um trails our trout stream our gardens are all open to the public so anyone who wants to wander through and go and it can do that um in a normal year, you can walk into a lot of the different buildings. Um, right now, they're closed for the public debt situations. But we do do tours um, for, like, school groups and different things like that. Um, they would actually walk through and get uh, behind the scenes, basically, of, like, seed processing, where we take care of that kind of stuff. Um, our seed house, how everything is set up. In a normal year, how it's set up. Right now, it's completely different. So, um, yes, yeah, so we do have those in a normal year that would be available uh, we also do a conference at camp out usually in July. Um, we're trying to figure out this year if it's going to be on site or if it'll be virtual again. Um, but there's always, if anyone wants to attend that, um, there's, it's fantastic. We have garden speakers uh, come to the farm. Um, you can camp on the farm if you want to. You can even go that far. That, that far. Um, but there's workshops and all that kind of stuff and behind the scenes tours, hay rides. You can get, you go up and check out the orchard. You can do all that kind of stuff. So yes, we're open to the public. And what about classes? Are you going to, are you doing online th- anything? Right now we're trying to see exactly what we're going to do. Um, a lot's going to depend on what, what um, happens with the COVID situation and the pandemic. So um, we are planning to have a apple grafting. So basically how to graft an apple tree. Um, I think that's going to take place in, I think it's coming around the 1st of April, but it's going to, once again, it kind of depends on how everything's going. So uh, we know that one's going to be a virtual. We're having an heirloom plant sale in May. And then some of our events for this year that we normally would do um, are on hold. So we won't be doing winter on the farm or the harvest festival or annual tomato tasting, but we are doing tastings um, that will be going live on Facebook um, to basically walk you through like last fall, we did a tomato tasting out of our, uh, some of our tomatoes out of the collection, we did dry beans and we also did potatoes. So if you're looking for something that's kind of different, you're not exactly sure what to go for, um, you can go and have those virtual tastings. They're all still reported on our Facebook page as well as mm-hmm. here soon. As soon as I get a chance to actually upload them, um, they will be on our YouTube page for reference back. So, uh, And Petra, what about you? What about uh, classes? What about uh, any? You said the farm is closed right now. Is that uh, 100%? We are closed to the public 100%, though we do have you know, local pickup. We have a beautiful curbside little kiosk. 
Um, but we have lots of online courses. So there's a seed starting academy, our garlic academy. There's a ginger master class right now. There's a microgreens mini course, micro course, if you will. So if you want to dial in microgreens for the winter, jump right in. And they're all free. We made all our online courses free last year in March when we realized we were like, whoa, <laughs> like we all need this information more than ever. And no one. What's that, Peggy? And Petra, you also do a um, Instagram live every Saturday or every weekend, don't you? Yeah. For Q and A. Exactly. We're on Instagram and Facebook every Saturday morning, and stay tuned for lots of different garden planning um, workshops that we'll be doing in February and seed starting in March and April in May. So we'll be making lots of virtual parties as well, and then we have lots that we were doing all of this on the farm prior to the pandemic and we'll be doing it all on the farm post the pandemic as well so stay tuned and you can actually see a little um, virtual tour of our farm that I shared last summer on our website so there's four parts and four different fields and so you can jump online and at our fruitionseeds.com and see our farm from that virtual tour as well Okay, we have just a couple of minutes. I'm going to put you both on the spot here. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, Petra, we'll start with you. Uh, give me two or three varieties that you're super excited about and you think that uh, are underused and that folks should know about. <laughs> well, I love Trombancino as well. So Trombancino <laughs> is this in trombone squash and it's fabulous because it's delicious as both a summer squash but and as a winter squash but especially as a summer squash and if you have squash vine borer it's not a cucurbita pipo and so it has it's not going to it's going to thwart the squash vine borer <laughs> brilliant I, <laughs> so i i was getting trombantino into october last year Yes, they are so prolific and they're so fun. If you want them straight, you can trellis them and they're literally like two and three foot long fruits as a summer squash and they get a few th a few Halloweens ago. I um, <laughs> kind of dressed up as a mariachi band with a, instead of a trombone, I had a tromboncino. <laughs> <laughs> you have issues with late blight, early blight, septoria leaf spot, we actually have four different tomatoes that are totally resistant to all of those diseases, and two of them are heirloom. So um, that flavor paired with disease resistance best and early maturity is the best of all worlds. All right. And uh, Roger, I'm putting you on the spot now. Yep. Um, in terms of that, I would say if I had to pick a tomato, uh, it's actually a new one that we actually got out of the collection, Alma Pink, or excuse me, Alma Orange. Um, it's in, it's this year it's available. Um, if I had to go with a pepper, it would be a Fresno pepper. Um, and then if I had to pick a green bean, it would be Campbell's Family Heirloom. So, um, all the, those last two came out of the exchange. I will say that Campbell's Family Heirloom would by far the best bean I've ever had if you pick it small, otherwise it gets a little fibrous. So what, which, which bean is that? Uh, Campbell's Family Heirloom. Campbell's Family Heirloom. And was that yep, o it's Omaha Orange you were talking about? Oma. Oma. Oma, not Omaha. Yep. Oma. Okay. Yep. All right. I just want to make sure. Here's I my official list right there. Okay. <laughs> there you go. And there's a few other folks uh, out there who are writing uh, some of these down. Listen, this has just mm -hmm. been fantastic. Thank you so much. Uh, of course, go to seedsavers.org. Uh, and again, as uh, Roger says, just be patient. 
it, it'll be there. You know, they'll, there will be, you'll get your order through and go to fruitionseeds.com. And uh, on both sites, check out all the incidentals, you know, how you can get involved in seed swapping. And, you know, maybe you don't have to uh, purchase. Maybe you, you can find somebody who's growing something, right, Roger? And you can, you can yep. swap it with them. Um, it's, yep. a, it's a way to get past that. Um, and, uh, and uh, Petra, uh, thank you so much. Continued success to you. Uh, and everybody up in the Finger Lakes and uh, go Bills. Am I supposed to say that? Go Buffalo Bills. <laughs> oh well, I'm not the right person to ask. <laughs> oh, okay. I just think it's hilarious. <laughs> uh, I I just thought maybe who knows that maybe you were interested. <laughs> okay. Uh, thank you Could both. I make one more? What what Could was I make that? One more plug? Yeah, go ahead. I wanted to share too. We made these lovely little planting calendars that are postcard size and they come in every order, but you can also download the digital version for free on our website. And you can also download, we have a 40 page book on, I call it Rise and Shine, Starting Seeds with Ease. And it's all about how to start seeds, both indoors and direct in the soil. So it's tons of awesome info. There's charts and lots of photos from the farm. So this, I mean, the paper versions we have for sale on our website, but it's a free PDF download on our website as well that you can print at home and love for many years to come. So I just want to make sure that you don't feel alone this season. <laughs> okay. and. Don't and uh, Roger, Roger, is there anything you want to plug here at the end? I would just say go and check out the exchange. It's a fantastic resource that uh, not enough people are actually playing with and, and uh, experiencing right now. So it's a great way to talk to other people and other gardeners and get that local adaptation. Um, mm -hmm. That you know, and you just find some really neat things. Like that's where I found Campbell Family Heirloom uh, was actually attending a, a tasting, and someone said this is where it is, and I figured out where to get it. So. Um, it's it's a good way to export. And just so you know, I I have that link on my blog post. So folks go to mikenovak.net and read the blog. They'll see the link and they should check it out. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Thank you both. You guys have a great Sunday and I hope we talk again very very soon. Thank you both. Thanks Love you much. Peggy. All right. Love you Roger. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, it's it's a love fest here, and it's the Mike, it's, it's the Mike Novak show with Peggy Malecki. Stick around; we're talking blossoms when we come back. Hi, I'm Vic Nakashima with Bartlett Tree Experts. You know, when a tree grows in its ideal form, it's amazing how it's naturally engineered to withstand the challenges of weather and time. But defects in trees are common and make it more likely that a tree or branch will fall over the course of time or in severe weather. Some of these defects can be addressed by the addition of support systems. These systems should be installed by an arborist, one who has specific expertise in following established industry standards to help ensure safety and effectiveness and that the correct tools and equipment are used. A weak branch union or V crotch is one common defect. It may be found close to the ground or higher up in the tree's canopy Either way, it puts the tree at a serious disadvantage. Excessive movement of these two stems can push the strength of this union past its capacity and cause it to break. So it could use some additional support, an advantage if you will. We can help limit the movement of these two stems by cabling them together higher up in the canopy of the tree. Some trees may also benefit from a bracing rod, which is a threaded rod installed directly through the branch union. 
These add strength to the defective area when it experiences excessive force, often caused by these stems twisting in the wind. For over a century, Bartlett Tree Experts has been developing cabling and bracing systems that have become the industry's standard. We can design and install a support system that can help minimize the impact a defect has on your tree and help it to weather the storm. Welcome to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio with just a sips-on of humor. Or is that a dash? Brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. All I need is good food to eat and make me healthy, wealthy, wide awake. Lettuce, tomatoes, root, and bacon. What about those sweet potatoes? All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good tools to make me music, porches, lawn serene. Give me all that I can And do. welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We were just, uh, I was just uh, connecting with Kirsten there, who you can see in the lower left-hand corner of the screen. For some reason, I wasn't getting... Uh, her there, and I don't see her. I'm going to remove that for the moment until uh, she pops live into, boy, because uh, we got to have this conversation today. This is uh, the mm-hmm. coolest thing. In fact, I need to pick up the magazine that fell on the floor. Hang on a second. I'll be right back. <laughs> Mike's picking up his copies of Two Million Blossoms that are yeah, there we go. the living room this over there. This is the one that fell on the floor. Oh, there she is. Uh, good. Whew. That just uh, scared me for a second, uh, Kirsten. Sorry you, about that. Uh, oh, oh, no worries. Don't do this to me, okay? It's, I, <laughs> if you, You're going to give him gray hair. Careful. Yeah, that's right. Oh, I, that, that would be dangerous. <laughs> I'm starting to get a few gray in there, too. Uh, so. Yeah, considering uh, that you're, what, 18, 19? And, uh, oh, I'm, I'm older than I look. <laughs> you got what one of those uh one of those faces that makes people think that uh you uh you got your PhD at the age of 10 and then uh and then you started your your magazine um Kirsten is the founder and editor of 2 million blossoms which we, we've been holding these things up uh all morning. Oh, awesome. Uh so people can see uh what's going on and I was I was going to save this until later. But I'm going to let me find the right copy. It's in this uh, issue, which is the mm-hmm. autumn 2020 issue on page. Let me find it here. Here we are. It's a uh, longer story, guess. too. It is 54. Um... <laughs> yep. Page 54. <laughs> the uh, bumblebee one. <laughs> right. So I'm uh, gonna let the bumblebee be. Uh, and in honor of that, Listen to this song and you'll find you're wrong because he'll get you in the end. Come on, let the bumblebee be. Come on, let the bumblebee be. 
Now a bumblebee will buzz, but that ain't all he does. And I ain't the fool that I used to was. I'm gonna let the bumblebee be. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Wait, that sounds like Spike Jones. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> and and I don't know when I turned into Ken Burns, uh, but something happened uh, <laughs> along the way. And there we go. See, oh, I'll dear. bet you actually haven't heard those songs. That I uh, have not heard the songs. I was just admiring the cover art. So I am I am tickled pink. You have got to <laughs> It is see, the bee's knees, as they say. I, I have That to, will be an earworm all day. Uh, well, <laughs> until, I play the, until I play the second one, all right? Um, and, and that actually is not fair because that doesn't give an accurate representation of what your magazine is about. It is about pollinators, not necess- and that is a, a, a funny little mm-hmm. – this is what, uh, what we call – It's the, the world of pollinators. Right. That Correct. Is, <laughs> uh, that in the, and in related. The, in the radio biz, we would have called that story a kicker. Uh, at the end of the newscast where you do something goofy and fun. Uh, and that's a goofy and fun little uh, story in this particular uh, edition uh, issue of Two Million Blossoms about songs written about b- bees. Um, Correct. <laughs> um, and that, but the, as I say, most of what you have in the magazine is science-based um, and <laughs> reality-based. Um, and and related to pollinators, not just about bees, but anything like there's an article on coyotes and how they tie in. Right, exactly. Correct. Yeah, that was a wonderful piece that a, a scientist had reached out to write about about how coyotes are, are very important in seed dispersal of some of our native trees. So mm-hmm. um, we we take a very broad approach to pollinators. Obviously. Uh, because you, you talk about, I forget what the, uh, animal was in South America, uh, that, that is a pollinator. Uh, but you know what? Human beings are pollinators too. And, and this is, I'm going to suggest a story to you. Somebody needs to pitch you on a story about how human beings pollinate plants. And I'm not talking about, I, I guess part of the story would be if you're painting flowers uh, to increase uh, production, that sort of thing. Yeah, that's one way that uh, people are pollinators. Uh, But the other way is accidental pollinators, like animals are accidental pollinators. And and the thing that I would say that is uh, an example of this is when you're walking through a field and you come away and there are burrs attached to your pants and they get distributed someplace else. Uh, this is how you become an accidental pollinator, and there are other ways that. So anyway, I don't think I've seen that in your in your magazine yet. So that I think that would be a good story. What do you think? I I fully concur. We did in one of my freebies have have a, a note about a garden personality in the UK who got in trouble because she talked about the use of um, vibrators actually in in tomato pollination in greenhouses. <laughs> in tomato pollinating. Yes, yeah, so um, tomato plants require buzz pollination, and apparently uh, uh, sex toys make, make a great alternative if you don't have a bubble <laughs> quality. You heard it here first, folks, all right? I have gone from uh, from being Ken Burns to, uh, oh, gosh. Uh, Dr. Ruth? 
Yeah, exactly, <laughs> Dr. Ruth. There we go. Um, and uh, that is uh, Kirsten S. Trainer, PhD. Um, as, as I mentioned, <laughs> you can write to her and not me about these things. Um, and tell us how you got the idea. I mean, this is crazy uh, to devote, um, to put it bluntly, it's crazy to devote an entire magazine to just pollinators. So what gave you that idea? Well, I'm, I've always been a little mad, and I've actually edited two other journals before this. One was Bee World, which is a quarterly magazine, all on bees around um, bees in all shapes and forms, but that was published by an academic journal, and so I had limitations on me. And then I, pub I was the chief editor of a monthly magazine dedicated to beekeeping. It's actually the third oldest continuously published magazine in the United States, American Bee Journal. And I noticed while I was there, there was a growing divide between beekeepers and native bee enthusiasts, um, where, where there was more and more media attention about how there was disease spillover from honeybees to native pollinators and other, other pollinators. Um, and and the, there was growing um, frustration on both parties where they were fighting with one another. And I find this very, very frustrating since many of our goals are aligned. We want to reduce pesticide use, improve um, habitat, uh, increase the amount of nectar and pollen-rich plants. And so instead of fighting against one another, the goal was to bring them all under one, one roof, one magazine, um, and really inspire and entertain. So, so make science entertaining, fun, and exciting, and um, inspire people to have small changes in their backyards that really add up. So that's the why. Um what the the thing that fascinates Peggy and me is the how. Uh, how is it even possible that you could put something uh, this good together? You said you did a Kickstarter and you raised twenty one thousand dollars, and of course that's chump change. Um, <laughs> and um, and you have in, in commercial printing world, yes, <laughs> right in commercial printing world, and you also have. Uh, a subscriber base, which uh, I think even you would admit is fairly small at the moment, Correct. but growing. And by the yeah. way, if you want to get a subscription, uh, go to my website, MikeNovak.net. I've got the link there to, to get a subscription, or you can even sign up for a free newsletter if you just want to know what's going on. Uh, but it doesn't cost much for a print version. It's only 35 bucks a year, and you get these four beautiful magazines per year as long, as long as you keep going so that's the other question uh kirsten how how is how is it possible you were able to do this um a lot of sleepless nights and a lot of personal time dedication and i have a really enthusiastic subscriber base so i get a lot of support from from our current subscribers as we're building out word of mouth is of course critical i do have enough money in the bank to continue printing through all of 2021 um, so we're actually in pretty good shape. We we received a very generous donation when we were starting out uh, that helped us produce the first issue that covered all the costs of that. And although we look like a coffee table magazine with high value production, we are a scrappy team of pretty much myself. And then I have the assistance of Bridget Brown, who's my copy editor, and the intern, the media intern I hired this summer. Um, and so... We we do everything, even though it looks like there's a whole team behind it. It's really just the three of us. I do all, all the layout and design. So we keep our costs down really low um, and focus on print quality and 
It's produced as sustainably as possible. Our printer uses um, sustainably harvested paper, biodegradable inks, and the plant is all wind powered. Uh, so we're we're pulling it out off by the the with lots of gumption and luck and enthusiastic subscribers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow, um, uh, that that's. That's amazing. Didn't you just win also uh, another prize that's going to help keep you going? A grant. A grant? I did. I won some seed funding from Arizona State University. Um, We won the Ashton Family Venture Challenge. So we we won another $10,000. And that's so that we can revamp our... Oh, thank you. That'll keep you going for three or four days. (laughs) (laughs) No, but you said you're going to use that for your website. That's correct. We're using that to revamp our website so that users can manage their subscriber data, subscriber information and be able to log in and, and, and really make it user-friendly. Um, at the moment, I maintain our subscriber database by hand, so I have to match up names and addresses every time, and, and um, it's, it's slightly time-consuming. So we're, we're trying to streamline some of that. <laughs> yeah, you know, you guys, we got to set uh, Peggy and Kirsten together in a room, and I just want to turn on a recorder and hear the conversation about a couple of people who are publishing magazines and, and what that is like. Um, and obviously quite different magazines, but uh, Peggy knows a lot about what you're going through. I know a little bit about it. I self-published a book uh, several years ago, um, and uh, I know a lot of writers. So <laughs> that's as close as I, I come to this. And, and of course, I used and to write. you used to write for Chicago Land Garden. That's right. I used to write a column for Chicago Land Gardening Magazine. So I know just a tiny bit about this. Uh, one of the things you mentioned about being a scrappy little uh, publication is that, uh, and and the photos and the layout, uh, the artwork is beautiful, and the way it's uh, executed is, is tremendous. Um, you, but you mentioned that I, I asked you earlier in the week, did you uh, uh, do you have all of your writers take their own photos? And you said some, and you mentioned that some of the photos come from Wikimedia Commons, which is basically the royalty free. Uh, uh, source for that a lot mm-hmm. of people use when they don't want to get busted. It's like me playing "Let the Bumblebee Be." I got a feeling that uh, I'm that was recorded in 1927. By the way, <laughs> um, right. so it's out of copyright. Well, we'll see. You know, because it depends I, who owns I, it. It depends who <laughs> owns it. I I fully expect. Uh, that when this show gets posted to YouTube, YouTube's going to say, oh, we have a copyright problem here. It, it, now, it only means that I can't monetize the, uh, the, uh, the podcast and, and the video. I can always edit it out if necessary. But mm-hmm. these are the things you run into, and the same thing, obviously, in publishing. So you have gone wherever you can to get the best photographs. Can we go through some of those real quickly? I'd like to show folks sure. uh, what you have. So for instance, we ha- this is uh, what we're gracing uh, the blog post with because that is just a, a stunning photograph of a sweat bee. Uh, can you tell me where you got that? Yes. So one of my writers is Rachel Benoen. She's now a professor in Rhode Island. And she was studying the Puget Sound butterfly in, in on the West Coast. But she's originally a honeybee scientist, and so she was always, while out in the field, looking for these hard-to-find butterflies, stumbling across bees. And she's an excellent photographer as well. And so that actually ran in our inaugural issue in January 2020. Ah, so it, and it's uh, and it was interesting because uh, I was looking at that for the uh, my blog post, and of course our 
our administrative assistant, Kayla, who's, who's listening and helping us out, grabbed it to do a promotional piece uh, on Facebook. And I wanted to say, no, I'm going to use that for my, oh, too late. <laughs> uh, because it's everybody, I, I think it's both stunning. of us. stunning. Yes. It is stunning. Both of us kind of went right, right to that. Well, let's look at a few more. Here's a cover from summer of 2020. Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, if, I don't know if you can read it, but it says Detroit hives turn vacant lots into urban apiaries. A- apiaries, sorry. Yes. So I had actually intended on running a different cover on our summer 2020 issue. I had just arrived in Berlin, Germany for a summer of research. And of course, um, the marches for the Black Lives Movement broke out in the United States. And I was having to do two weeks of quarantine watching the country I love um, turn on itself in very violent ways. And so I had seen uh, Detroit Hives, which turns vacant lots in, in the city of Detroit into urban areas and teaching, teaching gardens, um, post this on social media. And I just thought it was a, a stunning image. And so I reached out to them. They were willing to let me use it on the summer cover. And then inside that issue, I also feature some black um, individuals involved in farming and beekeeping to raise awareness that we're, we're more diverse than we sometimes appear. Beekeepers will often, um, beekeeping clubs are often very, very white. And so we often lack um, some of the diversity that our pollinators have. Uh, good way of putting it. Uh, and that takes us to the current issue. Um, this is winter 2021. Has that come out in print yet? Yes, that is currently, it was shipped in late December. It is out in print. Um, unfortunately, the United States Postal Service was completely overwhelmed this holiday season with everybody shipping gifts. And so it's been slightly delayed, but it is starting to arrive in, in people's mailboxes. And that cover was designed by Erin Hunter. She's a scientific illustrator who had an artist in residence at the Guadalupe Mountains in Texas. And each one of these plants and pollinators you see in that wreath are in bloom in the spring and summer in in the Guadalupe Mountains. Oh, that's uh, and and I, I should mention that uh, you you change up. Sometimes you do photos, sometimes you do illustrations, uh, as in this case. Uh, and I'm glad you don't have a hard and fast rule for that. Let's go to this photo uh, of a hummingbird clear wing. Correct. That's a hawk moth. These. Um, very large in- insects are amazing pollinators. You can see they have incredibly long tongues, so they tend to go after these deep-throated flowers. Um, and if you've ever seen one of these in your garden, they, they sound like a little helicopter buzzing by. They can hover. They can fly backwards. Uh, they're just absolutely stunning. Yeah, it's like the, um, oh, what's the one that was in my yard that I took a, a, a video of this past? Uh, hummingbird yeah. moth. Uh, yeah, hummingbird moth, uh, which are just... Correct. Yeah, they're yeah. Ju- they're just uh, they're, 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 they're yeah they they're get so your cool. attention yeah yeah they're so cool they're just absolutely so cool look at this this is just a gorgeous photo wow um, that's that's by Jake Mosher he's he's an amazing photographer we we've run two photo essays by him he's out in uh, in Montana and he goes to these places that are are less visited by by most people and he says in the summer months. The, the alpine meadows just put on these incredible shows of wildflowers. And even though you see this vast landscape, the, the biggest thing you experience while you're there is silence. Um, 
So he'll often trek in six to eight miles off, off a road, uh, carrying a 60 pound pack. And he also does amazing night photography. Yeah. And so he does these amazing vast landscapes and then also detailed imagery of, of the pollinators visiting the plants. Well, let's look at some of that amazing night photography. Yeah. His, his night sky photos are just unbelievable. Yes, so these are these are time lapse photography where he they're panoramic. So he'll do 180 degrees. This actually this uh, um, past fall won a top photo prize. There were 27,000 submissions, and he won in the landscape and plant category. So he he has he's a great writer. He's a fabulous photographer. And I, I actually have an interview that will be coming out on my new podcast. We sat down to chat about these places and why he goes to visit them. Yeah, I'm I'm a I'm a little jealous because I see those uh, photographs of the great outdoors and all the places he's visited and he spends time with. And I think, yeah, I've I've been to Schaumburg recently, and uh, <laughs> uh, which is a well, suburb. As- as his bio said, he left corporate America in 2017 to pursue his passion. So. Yeah, so he must have he must have saved something up uh, to be able to do that. But those those are just examples uh, of some of the things that are that are in the magazine. Uh, tell us about the kinds of stories that you're soliciting. And it's interesting. I, I went to your website and you put it right out there. You say, "I'm looking for writers. Here's what I'll pay." Um, I think a lot of magazines don't do that. You're you're very transparent about that. I do. I've written freelance as a science writer, and so I, I'm. I like to treat my writers as fairly as possible. I always apologize that I don't pay more. <laughs> I wish I could afford to pay more, but but like I said, we're a scrappy pub- publication, so we pay a hundred to hundred and fifty for short form articles and two hundred to four hundred dollars for long form articles. Um, I'm amazed by the quality of submissions I get. Joan Miners is is a science writer who's written for our publication. She did a lovely story on the year of the mason bee and she walks us through every month in the life of a mason bee um, in a beautiful 1300 word essay. We've also published the work of Sarah Dykeman who uh, followed the migratory route of monarchs all 10,000 miles from Mexico up to Canada and back by bicycle. Uh, She's now writing a book on it. We call that piece miles of monarch. Uh, We've had award-winning writer Craig uh, Childs, he had written a book all about the secret knowledge of water. And in this book, he has a scene where he follows honeybees into the desert to a, a source of water. It's, it's only about two pages in his book. And so I had found him online, reached out, told him I was launching this pollinator magazine, and asked him if he would be willing to expand on that little scene in his book for the magazine. He agreed, and in his essay that he submitted, he mentioned two scientists, the work of Tom Seeley and, and water foraging and honeybees. And so I reached out to Tom Seeley and the original, one of the original co-authors who I knew on that publication. They put me in touch with Madeline Ostwald, who was actually at Arizona State University at the moment. And she wrote a companion piece on her research in, on honeybee foraging in, for water. And so I, there's a lot of serendipity in how these articles come together. Well, yeah, you, when you start talking to one person, you find another person, that sort of thing. Uh, I was so happy to see you had an article recently about May Berenbaum uh, from yes. the Univ- University of Illinois. She has been on this show a number of times. Um, uh, she is absolutely a delight, um, and she has taught me so much about bees, and the thing that she taught me that comes out in the story, which is 
we've we've moved past colony collapse disorder when it comes to honeybees, and now it's just about bee health. Um, and she says it's all of the above when you're thinking. I mean, those those people who just say, "Oh no, it's the pesticides." Well, no, it's not. It's it it's probably part of the equation, but it's all it's nutrition, it's it's uh, parasites, it's pathogens, it's all of the above, and and that's the kind of article that you have in there, even when you're doing a profile of uh, of a scientist, you learn a lot about pollinators. Yeah, we, we really try. And, and the way I see the magazine is really a platform for discussion. So we will mm-hmm. often print two versions with opposing views. Uh, we did that on, on robotic pollination and the advances in using technology to pollinate plants. And then we had discussion questions afterwards as well. But yes, Mae Berenbaum is an amazing scientist. She actually just published an article in a special issue of PNAS on how climate, uh, climate change is impacting our pollinators as well. And that's a wonderful piece. Um, it's open access. I highly recommend it. They have some beautiful graphics uh, another way we often get stories is I scour Facebook and Instagram for people who are doing really interesting work as, as well as Twitter. And then I'll reach out to the scientists or these individuals and ask them if they would be interested in sharing their work. Uh, absolutely amazing. We have like no time left. Uh, I cannot, but I want to ask you a question that came in. Um, uh, and I don't know if you know the answer to this because you're the editor, but you also are a biologist. Uh, are there certain families of flowers that are best for pollinators? That's an excellent question. It really depends on where you are. Um, but I always recommend our kitchen herbs are wonderful for attracting pollinators because we've always selected them for fragrance, and, and so they tend to have a lot of nectar and pollen. So anything that you would grow for a kitchen herb, if you, if you let it flower, is, is wonderful for pollinators. Is that why we see... Uh, like oregano, maybe. Oregano, mints, sages, all of the above. Dill? Yep, dill, if you let it flower, will be just buzzing with butterflies. Uh, absolutely. Okay, before we let you go, i got to play one more thing. People have lovers that are kind and true. But I'm going to tell you something that you all must do. I've been studying nearly all my life. The same bees that stung me from singing me twice. Never let the same bees that stung you. Never let it sting you twice. That's if you want to be happy. Keep up with this kind of life. Oh, uh, yeah, there we go. I, I, I never let the same bee sting you twice. twice. <laughs> From That's that, a great cover image, too. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So now we bookended that. So you've got those songs. I don't think they're necessarily earworm. Yes, Peggy. One question. Where do we find your podcast? Right. The, pod, the podcast is not yet released. It should be coming out in February. I do guest host the Beekeeping Today podcast, but the, the Two Million Blossoms will be out in February on my website, twomillionblossoms.com. No wonder we couldn't find it. Peggy and I were searching for the podcast. No, it's not live yet. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, well, folks, now you have something to look forward to. Hey, I'm going to advise you, if you if you care about pollinators, you care about science, and I need uh, my science drop-in, which I don't have at the moment. Science. Science. <laughs> uh, get a hold of uh, 2 Million Blossoms. All the links are at my uh, website, MikeNovak.net. But uh, Kirsten, if, if folks want to go directly to yours, where are you going to have them go? 
2millionblossoms.com, and then you'll see a link on the top for subscribe. And if you use the code NATIVEBEES, you'll get $5 off. Ooh. You know, I should have said to you we should have a a discount for folks who listen to the Mike Novak show, but we can (laughs) – do that another time, I guess. Yeah, because uh, there's a couple people posting that they're going to subscribe. So I think you're going to get some subscribers out of this. Uh, Kirsten, very, very awesome. Thank you so much, uh, Kirsten Trainer. Thank you so much. We got to have you back. Uh, this was just way too short, and uh, I'm already running late. We need to bring in our meteorologist Rick DeMaio. So you have a wonderful Sunday. Continued success. Uh, you need more than uh, 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 another ten thousand uh, dollars to keep going, and I'm hoping that some folks. Uh, Get subscriptions so that you can do that. Subscribe, subscribers is the best way to go. You betcha. All right, take care. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. As I said, Rick DeMaio coming up. Hello from Happy Leaf. This is BJ Miller, the horticulturist here on staff. The best way we can help you be successful with indoor <coughs> gardening is to provide you with a really great grow light. There are a lot of choices on the market and it can be extremely confusing to decide what you need. Our goal here at Happy Leaf is to provide you with a light that lasts a very long time and makes your plants really happy. We have several satisfied customers, including our friends Mike Novak and Peggy Malecki, because we have specifically designed a light that is versatile, it's very effective, and it is extremely simple to use. Our lights are perfect for seed starting, but you can do so much more, especially these months of the winter. You can supply yourself with your own leafy greens and herbs, grow lots of different types of vegetables, keep your small fruit trees thriving, and your houseplants will think you've sent them for a day at the spa. At this time of year, we spend a lot of time indoors with our plants, so help them thrive. The plants you're viewing were treated with Leafzyme, a foliage spray designed to activate beneficial microbes already present on the leaves. A spritz every few weeks promotes growth-enhancing microorganisms that process dust and other particles into nutrition that indoor plants can absorb through their leaves for beautiful and vigorous growth. Go to blazing-star.com and check out their BioGarden line for home gardeners. You can help slow climate change in 2021 by composting. And you don't even need a backyard. By composting communally in multi-unit buildings across Chicagoland, Collective Resource Compost has diverted 7,000 tons of food scraps since 2010. CRC brings you a fresh 5-gallon bucket or a 32-gallon neighbor tote with each pickup. You fill it with organic matter, they swap it out, and get it to a commercial composting operation. Fight climate change. Go to collectiveresource.us. And then Peggy says, If you're a farmer, this is your last chance to gain valuable insight from organic vegetable farmer Atina Diffley through McHenry County College. Now, Atina is the author of the award-winning memoir, Turn Here Sweet Corn, Organic Farming Works. And she's got one more workshop with MCC's Center for Agrarian Learning. You can sign up for Crop Planning for Market Needs and Profitability to be presented on January 27th and February 3rd. It's only $5, and as part of your registration, you're going to receive either the Wholesale Success Manual or the Direct Market Success Manual, an $80 value, and they're both published by Family Farmed. But that's not all for the Center for Agrarian Learning. Their virtual farm tour series starts this Tuesday, January 19th, and continues every third Tuesday from now until March. You'll visit an area farm, followed by a live Q&A with the farmers. 
for week number one, it's Prairie Wind Family Farm, which is in Grays Lake, and that's going to be from 6.30 to 7.30 via Zoom. The event's free, but you do need to register in advance, and you can go to mchenry.edu slash cal to find more information. That's mchenry.edu slash cal. And you got through the typos. Okay, good for you. All right. know you had a keyboard there i do and this is something we didn't play uh when uh, kirsten was on the show this is the bumblebee rag by harry tierney in 1909 so there you go i guess uh, i've completed my transformation my transformation to Ken Burns. Ken Burns. <laughs> and I can hear myself coming back through Rick's phone, so let's let him speak instead. Rick DeMaio, good morning. I, I thought you were going to say not Ken Burns, but Scott Joplin. Well, yeah, but you didn't hear, hear the earlier ones I played, so I, I was playing a series of songs. Uh, oh, okay. Right. Uh, for, He's become uh, the documentarist this morning. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Ah, I gotcha. So, <laughs> well, Ken uh, Burns, will, I'm sure, uses Scott Joplin and some of his stuff around uh, around uh, Spolier and things like that, but that. But uh, Mike, before Mike, before I did on weather stuff, uh, have to offer my condolences to the Jim Tillman family. Uh, Jim Tillman passed away, passed away yesterday at the six. He was living in Scottsdale, Arizona. I think. I think most people listening to your show uh, who watched who watched TV back in the, in the um, late seventies, eighties, even even early nineties. Uh, Jim Till Jim Tillman, sure on both channel five um and then on and then fox um he was a, he was a, um kept um, kept with american airlines one of the first uh, african-american uh, um, captains in the aviation industry which back then was kind of rare and uh he ascended to the ranks of probably one of the highest um or at least longest serving uh captains in the american airline and then transitioned over to weather uh, very easily, and um, the amazing, the amazing thing of Billman was was a guy who got me into TV. TV, nineteen ninety five. I got a call, a cold call from Jim Tillman, and said, "Rick Tillman here. Tillman here. Hey, Mr. Tillman, how you doing? We haven't spoken in a couple of years. Um, what's up?" And he said, "Well, he said, well, you're here at Fox. You're at Fox. You know that. You know that. I've seen you. I've seen you as well. Well, you're looking for something for some to do the weather on the weekends, and I put your name in." And I said, you mean to produce, produce, you go do the weather on TV. And I said, I don't do TV. He goes, no, I think you can. So he, so he told me to come over in and got a suit, got a haircut, uh, did an audition. And then they signed me up weekend, weekends, uh, basically per diem. If I screwed up, I was gone. If I was okay, they asked me back and they kept asking me back. And next thing you know, they gave me an offer to do the mornings. I left, I left the lines and the rest is history. And Mr. Tillman and I, we talked up talk about a couple of years ago, and uh, and said uh, said for him to leave because he was one of those one of those players not only in aviation but also in TV and always seemed to know him to know how to make a, a long story short story which I'm still learning how to do as you know. Well, yeah, I I had not heard that news at all. So uh, uh, our condolences uh, to uh, his family, and he just seemed like a 
a very good guy. Um, so um, yeah, he was yeah, he was one of the few on TV who basically get along with, whether or not you agree with him or disagree with him. We need more people like people like Jim Tillman in the world. Okay, well uh, there we go. Thank you for the uh, for the information. Um, and as you wrote to us this week, uh, we 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 started talking about this last week. Um, whether 2020 was going to be the Earth's second hottest year or first hottest year behind 2016. There's a slight disagreement, but basically what we need to know is that uh, it, it's right up there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, you know, you know, pretty much something that we knew was going to happen. There were a couple of different different organizations out of Europe, uh, one out of Berkeley, California, but no, but no, is the official one here for one here for United Basics 2020 to second, second warmest record. I hate to say, I hate to say, hottest, hottest. Um, but um, but the second record, record um, um, 2019, which was number number got knocked down to number down three, and 2018 is still number one. And the bad thing, a bad thing about this last week, 2016 was the year of an El Nino, an El Nino, and this, and this is the year of a La Nina. The fact that you're still able to able wow. uh, the planet, I know it, I know, kind of odd. Keep the planet. Well above normal, normal um, says a lot about a lot about not only the global temperatures, at least the ocean temperatures, but the land temperatures. So the bottom line, and I can offer your a little bit more detail, but the average land land and ocean surface temperature was 1.76 degrees Fahrenheit above average. That means that we look at we look at the average from 1880 uh, uh, through 2010. Um, um, we were justly below what we lower in 2016 by get this guys, guys oh four degrees degrees Fahrenheit. You, it's basically a statistically a statistic at this point. And what's yeah, really what's revealing, is, yeah, it's basically a tie pig. But what's but what's more revealing is that the northern hemisphere sorts warmest year on warmest year on at 2.3 degrees 20th century average. So La Nina is basically a strip of water, um, or I should say La Nina. La Nina Literally talks, or at least 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 says how warm that strip of water strip of water is. Basically, a basic five to ten degrees either side of the equator, which is pretty much pretty much equatorial areas of the Earth. So the fact that the northern hemisphere uh, was two uh, with three degrees Fahrenheit above Fahrenheit above normal um, is 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 amazing. And what's amazing is the trend. And um, all of the seventh warmest warmest. Years have occurred since 2014, 14, and mm-hmm. the top the ten have occurred all since 2005. So, so the trend the continues to go, continues to go. Even though, and this is the other thing we were going to talk about, and we've talked about this couple of weeks, couple of weeks, but I think it still bears, you know, some sort of repetition here, is we actually got down our greenhouse gases um, by 10 percent with COVID. Yeah. Now, green what, yeah. due to co- greenhouse gases, you, you got to look at almost four different gases. You have gases. You have carbon dioxide. Um, you have methane. You also have water vapor, and you have nitrous nitrous. Um, typically, typically oxide and methane. Those are the gases that are much much shorter atmosphere. Atmosphere a little bit more volatile. Uh, but carbon dioxide lasts a very very long very long. Even though that took a huge <clears> hit. Air temperatures, temperatures we warm, and I think that and I think that's something, something that you can see more of the lag. So I would not be surprised if if twenty twenty one is going is going to really feel more the patients of patient of the CO two emissions because it has such a impact, impact upper level of atmosphere generally above you know five miles up. I think we're going to see more of that 
uh, and maybe in 2021. We don't uh, know yeah. yet. We don't know yet, but we think it's going to end up. It was, uh, hey, uh, uh, Peggy, it, hang it, on a second. Peg, um, uh, Rick, we're, we're having a little repeat uh, action from your phone. I'm not sure why. Can you take your volume down just a little bit, just enough so you can hear us? I'm not sure if that'll help, but I, I'm, I'm, I need to give it a shot. Yeah. How about this? A little bit better? We'll see. Uh, we'll see. All right. So, Peggy, you were going to ask? Um, what I found was interesting in, in – couple of these articles and the links talking about how the wildfires may have offset some of the greenhouse gas emission mm-hmm. reductions. Yeah, that, that's an excellent, an excellent peg, because even though human-induced emissions were lower by less motor vehicle traffic, you ended up putting more pollution, pollution back into the air uh, the due fires. to the wildfires in addition to that, into that as well. Well, I think had a lot to do with uh, the observed temperature from a satellite perspective. So, so these are one of those things that you know, some, you know, learn learn these off these setting settings of what occurs when you have more wildfires or less or no or less ice on the Great Lakes. One was that I talked about in my report that I sent you is we're at two point eight percent of coverage of the five Great Lakes this time last year. We were only at four percent, but yet if you look back. At the overall, the overall, the overall trend continues to go down. But we've had, but we've had years in the past that long ago, where ago, where you got into the middle of January and you were up to eighty to ninety percent. So wow! Yeah, the, the regional, the regional, yeah, the regional does of a change of the climate for the Great Lakes, lakes not yet understood. Understood. One of the things, one of the, we do know is that no, definitely. Ice in the Great Lakes, and so far we've been fortunate this year. This year that bec- that been so little, so little. And so little in the way of big storms, the amount of erosion that we would have would have on the beach on the beach um, has been a lot less. But still, yeah. but still we haven't had the strong the northeasterly. Yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. The strong northeasterly northeasterly winds. Um, are, are, all it takes is one or two of the, one or two of those storms, and everything that you did from a standpoint of for, for the winter season winter season can be challenged challenged in less than hard. Yeah. Well. So. Uh... Uh, this, uh, this winter, of course, is going to be one of those that just, there's very little ice at all. And how is that going to affect us going into the spring, Rick? Well, well, it's interesting because, because I've seen the winter, the wind get a lot of ice, or at least the, the, the Great Lakes, um, accumulate a lot of ice sometime in, in late Feb, late February, March, March mm-hmm. really depends on how the second half of the winter um, kind of bears out because I because a couple of years ago we had really really moderately weather going into the first week of February, and then we got just super cold. We got that layer of ice. It kept the Great Lakes really cold, and we had unbelievably coldly cold water temps um, early through the middle through the middle of May. But we've also seen the Great Lakes respond very on very even last year. We had warmest warm temperatures on record. But what's yeah. interesting to note is that layer of warmth was only in like the top 10 meters. Once you got below that, those lakes cooled off very, very quickly. So it's important to note that Great Lakes, Great Lake, as they are, the, the shallowness, shallowness of them and the small size of size, um, it, it really, do, really doesn't have big of an impact globally. globally um, region, regionally, it, sometimes, it, sometimes it depends on which way which the way is blowing. I mean, you can have all the ice in the world, but if you have a west wind of 20 miles an hour and it's 70 degrees in Peoria, 
it'll be They've 65 more Keegan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's all about which about wind blows. But the bottom line, bottom line here is the fact that continued the trend of above normal temperatures, both on the, both on the land and now on the, and now on the, even in the era of a La Nina tells you something. And then in addition to that, even with the global pandemic dropping, dropping, reducing greenhouse gas emissions by over 10% did not have any large scale short, short term impact on global, on global temperatures. And this is something that has been talked about a lot, a lot in a circle, in a circle of climate scientists, meaning that, if some of the things that we are trying to do, to do even in an ten to fifteen to fifteen to twenty, years, we can base them off of them this year. It gives us a good blueprint on what we need to do over the next seventy-five to hundred years. Uh, I noticed before we get to the forecast here that uh, Loyola is doing its twenty twenty-one climate change conference, uh, Loyola University in Chicago. Uh, and the dates are March 15th to 19th. Um, they're going to mm-hmm, have mm-hmm. A, a youth climate uh, uh, keynote conversation. Uh, Jerome McDonald from WBEZ will be moderating that. Um, there'll be uh, panel discussions on how climate change is driving displacement and, and migrants. Um, and then we'll have climate advocacy through local artists. Uh, just sounds like... It's, uh, you know, I think you and I first met at one of these uh, climate change conferences, Rick. <laughs> yeah, you used to call the climate change, climate change back then. But yeah, we, uh, we bumped, we bumped, we in at a table and you said, you want to be my meteorologist? And I think I, and I think I forgot. <laughs> right? yeah. And the rest was history. As they say. Uh, we got married right on the spot, on the spot. It was like a meeting, right, Mike? <laughs> We got married in a fever hotter than a pepper sprout. <laughs> but you know it's important to note that you know the American Meteorological Society just finished annual conference, which was I was a big part of, big part of mm-hmm. from a standpoint of higher education, education, and also the planning committee. Um, and we did it virtually. I mean, it went off with a hitch. I would say probably about ninety percent of the sessions went pretty well. Um, I paneled a panel on Thursday for about an hour. We had. Um, we had, I think it was between about a hundred and about 170 people, um, in the, in the chat room, which was pretty decent. I mean, some of the larger ones were probably about four to 500, but we did this virtually and it was supposed to be in new Orleans. Unfortunately, we weren't there next year. We're supposed to be in Houston. Hopefully we will be there. Uh, but the upcoming climate change conference friends, um, at, um, at this year, this will be virtually. And uh, it's probably a blueprint, a blueprint of what you last year, because last year it was supposed to be the third week of March. And that and that's been when the pandemic hit, pandemic hit. I mean, we knew right then and there that we had to get this thing you know, canceled and pretty much everything that we had planned for last year, for last year at Loyola, we're going to do this year. And hopefully um, I'll be, I think, just think is good. But um, I start my classes, classes on with Loyola, with Loyola, two classes there again. And the, and the first talk about it is what we're talking about today in the show. So, so um, hopefully the students will have will have any of any of not things are changing, uh, but also how they're staying the same as well. Okay, give us a forecast. Let us know whether we've got uh, a polar vortex headed our way or not, because that's what everybody <laughs> seems to be. They all yeah, want to talk uh, well, about. Right, well, right, I'm looking outside and there's snow on the ground. We got about we got about an inch. We'll have probably about another inch. As we go through the afternoon, but afternoon, but it's going to be very, very light, and very light to the mm-hmm. south of us. Uh, a little bit colder today, so there may be a little bit more sticking, particularly on sidewalks and 
uh, grassy areas, but over the overall, um, about an inch of snow today, and then probably temperatures temperatures get around around uh, uh, thirty to maybe thirty two degrees over the next couple of days. We do get colder over the next six six to ten days, and then fourteen days. I wouldn't call it a polar vortex. It's more like it's more like a split of the polar vor- polar vortex. Mm-hmm. Like the bulk of the cold air is gonna is gonna stay north of us. Uh, okay. But overall, it does all like the seven and a half degrees is normal that we're so far through the first two and a half weeks of the month of January. We're going to knock a little bit off of that, but I would not be surprised by the time we talk next week, week about eight to 10 degrees colder than we are right now. So instead of being four and five degrees above normal, normal, we'll probably be about five degrees below normal. Overall, though, so in the, no, in the 20s. nothing in the way of any Right, Peg, and basically in the mid to upper, mid to upper twenty, in a way, still, and any big snowstorms, any times, any times, but over the next five to seven days, that cannot actually change. Hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah, as I mentioned earlier in the show, no, sno- no real snowstorm yet. We'll see if we get any this season, uh, this winter. It's still middle of January. I think we're, yeah, I think we're due for a very active last two weeks of January, and particularly the first, the first of February. It's been active across the United States. It just hasn't been active here in Northern Illinois. Okay. All right, Rick, thank you so much. You have a, a great week, and uh, we'll talk to you next Sunday. Sounds good, Mike and Peg. Take care. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right. All right, I'm going to put out a uh, <laughs> uh, a, a plea to uh, our folks, uh, all the, the techno wizards that are listening to this show. Um, I'm at my wit's end about how to deal with that phone. Uh, from Rick. Uh, I have no idea why it repeats like that. Everything else, as you can see, is working solidly. Uh, and I don't care. You know, I'm just being totally transparent with you. I'm good. You know, I continue to research this. But if anybody listening mm-hmm. goes, oh, I've had that issue before. I know how that why that's happening. Uh, would you write me an email, Mike at MikeNovak.net, and let me know? Uh, what's going on? Uh, we got to fix we, it. We've tested and tried and tested and redone. And we have just done everything imaginable. And I don't know if it's his phone, uh, or it's something else in the, the system because everything else is just working very well. Um, and I'm at a point where I'm throwing my hands in the air and, uh, I'm throwing my hands in the air and saying, all right, that's all. I just I don't know. Ellen, Ellen, I, I yeah. Ellen's out there. Help us. Ellen, uh, <laughs> Ellen, 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 Ellen. He knows. Ellen. He knows all about uh, what we need. So uh, if anybody's just got an idea uh, about what might be happening there, otherwise I'm just going to continue to research it. We got it. We got to fix it. So that's the, the only way it goes. I think we're we're just about ready. You got anything else uh, that we needed to uh, to bring up that we have missed at this point? No, there's a few small things we were going to talk about. I don't know if you want to bring up any of those or just wrap it up at this point. Uh, and there's uh, well, uh, I think um, Basil is uh, interested in uh... <laughs> Basil's interested in getting off the front porch. Basil's interested. <laughs> you know, one one of the things I will say that I posted on Facebook. And for those of you who want this, can go to the Mike Novak Show on Facebook. Um, Todd Jacobson at the Morton Arboretum sent me this really cool field guide oh, yeah. uh, to trees in the Chicago area. 
Um, it's a field guide uh, for the 49 most commonly planted trees in our region. Now, this, does, does, this doesn't mean that they're all trees you want. Uh, some of them are invasives. Uh, it's just an ID. So if you've got mm-hmm. a tree out in your yard and you go, I have no idea what this is, you might go uh, find that out. In fact, we could maybe, if Kayla's listening or you can do this, Peggy, repost the field guide. But um, it's very cool because it's got the leaf and the fruit and the bark. Um, and uh, you can, uh, it, it, it has, uh, as, as they say here, high definition of the leaf, flower, fruit, and bark. <laughs> to help you identify trees in your own yard. So I thought, yeah, that's cool. Uh, folks should uh, have uh, that. Um, and uh, really quick, uh, Chicago Market mm-hmm. is uh, doing, they're uh, a local um, uh, co-op Co-op that they're pulling together that they're going to be in the former L state, CTAL, CTAL station at Wilson and Broadway. Um and it looks like they're in the home stretch. They're doing a final push. You you sent me that. Do, do you have that? No, you're um, typing. <laughs> K- Kayla was looking for that link. Ah, okay. Uh, I, I had it open. Go on Facebook, and Kayla. I okay. had it open, and I'm not sure where the link went. But I got if you it. go I've to chicagomarket.org, they have decided to stay at that building. Um I believe it's about 13 months to do more fundraising. So if you right. don't belong to the co-op, you can join and be a, got, a member and an owner and help the co-op move into that building. They've got 1,620 owners right now. They're looking for more. Mm-hmm. They need to raise $1.4 million through loans and donations. So uh, if you want to help get a co-op in Uptown, uh, that's a, a great place to go and, yeah. and help them out. And they also, for members, do a lot of other things right now. I know they've got a, a microgreens grow at home online course coming up shortly. So there's a lot of benefits now, even though the building isn't open yet. Okay. With that, uh, let's thank everybody who was on the show today. And boy, was this a was this a fun show or what? I want to thank uh, Roger Roger Hartwell from uh, Seed Savers Exchange, Petra Page Man from Fruition Seeds. Kirsten, Dr. Kirsten Trainer from Two Million Blossoms, Rick DeMaio, uh, Kayla, Kathleen, Basil, Lagata, anybody else? You, of course, Peggy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's Kathleen. Ka- got Kathleen. No, I already got Kathleen in there. Okay. Okay. All of our listeners, everyone so, uh, who's talking. Until on, next uh, time, Rachel. go green or go home. Uh, Stadler? Yeah, what? Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much.